0: Relax and get ready to learn. Here's Pat.
1: Hello, my name is Pat Iyer. This is Legal Nurse Podcast. My guest this week is Erin Getz, who is a nurse practitioner who works in a clinic managing the care of people with cardiac problems. Her population includes people with cardiomyopathy, and a number of other cardiac conditions. Erin, welcome
2: to the show. Hi, good morning, Pat,
1: how are you? I'm doing well. I brought Erin onto the show today because cardiac failure can be as the result of trauma or medical malpractice. It could be mismanaged. It can be something that can influence the damages in a case And it can crop up in medical records with terms and medications that you might not be familiar with. That's Erin's everyday role. So first, let's focus on what do you do as a nurse practitioner in a cardiac clinic? What's the scope of what you're responsible for handling?
2: So I see a lot of patients outpatient um, after valvular surgeries, bypasses. Um, after hospitalizations for heart failure, uh, new onset uh, cardiomyopathies and um, arrhythmias. So that's kind of my role in the clinic. And we also offer um, a program to help patients um, adjust the cardiac medications to help improve the ejection fractions over time. So there's four different medications we provide or we offer, I should say, and then, um, and then we repeat an ultrasound of the heart and echo um, in a couple of months after the program is uh, completed. and hopefully their hearts are better by then.
1: I know that you're giving new hope to people with methodologies that didn't exist years ago. What is it like? from the patient's perspective, and maybe we should talk first about heart failure. What does that feel like to them when they
2: describe their symptoms to you? I think it really diminishes the patient's quality of life for a lot of them, especially the elderly patients. There's a huge lifestyle adjustment, you know, in terms of low sodium, fluid restriction, And not to mention the volume of medications that they get mixed up with. And especially when we're constantly adjusting it or or even their diuretics, you know, just based on their weight gain, food retention, we're asking them, can you do this for three days? And then can you take this? Can you check your blood pressures? Can you check your heart rates? So it can be very overwhelming. And there's a large majority of of patients who have um, depression. Um, that comes along with heart failure.
1: I'm thinking about what it must be like to be an elderly person who receives a complicated set of instructions. What problems does that pose for the patient? And then what is that like for you as the nurse practitioner when that happens?
2: I think safety is a big concern, um, especially when patients get mixed up with the medications. A lot of times they don't even know the name of the medications. So you're trying to talk to them on the phone with case managers, and it can be a struggle. Um, On my end, I think the education part, just, you know, reinforcing that knowledge and having them repeat it. Do you understand what's happening? What medication are you gonna, you know, decrease? Which one are you going to adjust? You know, just giving that feedback and getting them to understand um, the complexities of it and letting them know it's okay to get confused because it is very overwhelming.
1: Are there any tools? And I'm thinking about the people who have been head injured, who learn how to write everything down, keep um, a diary, uh, keep a set of instructions, set reminders on their phones. Are those strategies or other strategies effective in helping us?
2: Mm-hmm. They can be, we often provide them with um, a booklet that just makes it a little bit easier with their, uh, you know, outline blood pressure, heart rate, your daily weight, and even, you know, blood sugar. So if we can get them to adhere to using that every day, and then making sure that we are available to them anytime they have questions, it makes the process a lot simpler.
1: hmm you also mentioned that you're managing the care of people with arrhythmias. And I'm thinking about a woman I, I talked to a few months ago who described to me the feeling of her heart pounding so hard that she felt like it was going to come out of her chest. Tell us what that is like for people who are dealing with uh, the tachycardias and, and what therapies might be helpful to help them with that feeling.
2: So, um, for patients with tachycardia, for example, it is very scary um, when their heart's beating at 240 beats per minute and they're, you know, by themselves at home. Um, what we offer a lot of times is um, beta blocker therapy. There's ablations that they can do if you know the medications are not helping. Um, there's lifestyle changes too, along with it. You know, making sure that their electrolytes are in balance. They're, um, you know, they're avoiding caffeine, alcohol, um, and also um, staying hydrated. So there's, you know, a couple of things that we, you know, um, help them with instead in terms of lifestyle management too.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, Erin, we only have one heart, right? Unlike if something goes wrong in one hand, you got another hand or one eye or one kidney or one knee, tell us about, from your perspective, looking at this, we've talked about some significant conditions for a fragile person. We've talked about a complicated set of medications that have to be prescribed and have to be followed by the patient. Where are the liability pieces in the area of practice that you have mastered.
2: I think um, I find that sometimes uh, patients are discharged too early from the hospital, so they're not quite you know dry yet. You know, if, if we're diuresing them, or they still have a lot of weakness or lack of understanding, and then they go home or they go dis- uh, they get discharged to a skilled nursing facility, and sometimes that's where the you know a bad condition gets worse because um, they're leaving the hospital too early.
1: Have you ever run into situations where there's continuity of care problems that the prescriptions, the directions don't travel from the hospital to the nursing home?
2: Uh, Yes, all the time. And it's a struggle to reach out to those patients because then, not only am I speaking to the patient on the phone, let's say, because there's not an in person appointment, um, then I have to get a hold of the um, medicine techs or the nurses who are giving these medications. And then, on top of it, I don't know what type of diet the nursing home is necessarily giving them, you know, because they have to be on fluid restriction, low salt. And then there's the aspect of family members visiting, maybe. At the time of the appointment, they're not there. So I can't inform them. Oh, don't bring the crackers. Don't, you know, don't give them snacks in the room that they can eat that are higher in salt. So it gets very complicated.
1: Mm -hmm. All those variables, Erin. Yes. (laughs) If we go back to the being discharged from the hospital too early, tell us about the criteria that the hospital staff should be documenting to be able to justify the discharge at that time. And the second part of that is, why are they being discharged too early? Before we continue with the show, I'd like to share this special announcement with you. Hi, I'm Pat Iyer, a legal nurse consultant with Barbara Levin, also a legal nurse consultant, talking to you about a phone call that you get. The attorney says, hi, Sally Ann, I've got a case for you. I would like to know what your retainer requirement is and who should I make the check payable to? And you answer that and you hang up and you say, wait a minute. I don't know enough to be able to even know if I can help this attorney. Why do you need to get critical information in that first phone call? Take it away, Barbara
3: there's not enough information in that phone call. What is your role? Are you the consulting expert? Are you the expert witness? What is he looking for? What is the focus? So what I suggest you do is call that attorney client back, have an in-depth discussion as to what your role is. What is the case about? How can you help him? Because you need more information in order to perform the role that is needed in this situation.
1: You also need to know if there's a conflict of interest. Maybe you're already helping the attorney on the opposing side with that case. So you need to have the case captioned and to understand who the attorney is representing. You need to know the deadline. Does this attorney expect a detailed chronology? Does the attorney expect a screening for merit? Does the attorney want a timeline? Does the attorney want you to be an expert witness? or? solely supporting the attorney behind the scenes. When you have the focus of the case, you know the caption of the case, you know what the attorney's concerns are and the deadline, and you know your role, then you've got enough information to be able to say, yes, I can accept that. But on that basis of that hurried phone call, that would be trouble to take on that case without knowing any of that information.
3: This is only just one of many topics that is going to be presented at our seventh Legal Nurse Success virtual conference. And this will be held March 23, 24, 25, 2023. We have nationally recognized speakers and Pat is gonna talk about one of the keynote speakers. So you'll hear more now.
1: We are pleased to be able to present to you a variety of topics that will stimulate you, motivate you, give you networking opportunities, give you business tips, give you insights. One of the cases that we'll be sharing is of Charles Cullen, a registered nurse who lived in New Jersey and Pennsylvania and systematically killed patients in hospitals for 17 years before he was caught. I was one of the legal nurse consultants involved in reviewing his care, reviewing medical records from one of the hospitals on behalf of the prosecutor. My charge was to determine which patients Charles killed. We will also bring to you Dr. Kathleen Ashton, who is the nurse hired by many of the plaintiff attorneys who were representing families in those hospitals families of patients who were killed by Charles. We'll share with you details about a man who accidentally electrocuted himself, and you'll meet Sam Davis, the attorney who handled and successfully settled his case, and Nancy Stuck, one of my legal nurse consulting coaching clients, who was an expert fact witness in summarizing the multiple, multiple, multiple surgeries that this man endured for his burns. We've got panels of experienced legal nurse consultants who will share with you their insights from where they are in their business now and the things that helped to make them successful. You'll have an opportunity to get some clinical topics, business topics, as well as networking. The conference is March 23, 24, and 25, 2023, and the link for signing up for the conference is right below us. It is lnc.tips forward slash March 2023 virtual. We'd love to see you there.
3: We look forward to seeing
2: you.
1: Now let's return to the show.
2: So I think um, the criteria would be First and foremost, the patient understands what's happening and, you know, because that's very overwhelming, especially if it's a new onset cardiomyopathy patient. And then second of all, um, you really have to look at the medications that they're being discharged with. Do they understand how to take it, when to take it? Um, And then the diuretics, are we giving... the is this a good enough dose so that, you know, when they go home, they lack the education. Is this dose going to cover the fact that they might fail? They might start eating, you know, a salami sandwich the moment they get home because they feel better, you know, there are no, because we got all the fluid off of them or, you know, we took care of what we needed to um, during the hospitalization, but not completely. So that can be a struggle for, um, you know, problems um, going home too early.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And what are the penalties in the United States if somebody is discharged too early and then has to be readmitted pretty quickly?
2: Yeah, so I believe that Medicare, um, if you get readmitted within 30 days, with the same condition, for example, heart failure is a revolving door problem. And so I think the payout is not going to be, um, I think that uh, the system gets penalized. hey, this patient came back for the same problem that you were supposed to help them with. So, you know, there's a bottom line issue with that too.
1: Mm -hmm. I know that critical thinking goes into the area in which you're practicing critical thinking with critical patients. Let's explore a little bit how that creates liability or the lack of critical thinking, I should say, creates
2: liability. So I think, you know, all clinicians try to do our best. You know, it's very challenging, it's complex. Um, One of the biggest, and good problems is people are living longer, but with that, you know, um, comes with a lot of comorbidities that they have. And um, for example, I had a patient that um, she went to the hospital with AFib. And what happened was um, the ED doctor thought that, you know, this is not a new onset AFib based on the medication that she was taking for chest pain. And it's a common medicine. But I think that same medicine is often used for AFib. So then the clinician thought, okay, you know, this is not new, went home, came out, saw me two weeks later, I realized it was new onset AFib. So of course, you know, um, she didn't leave with an anticoagulant. So I had to start that because that two week time period, something critical could have happened. She could have had a stroke. So these are the complexities that we see.
1: And if we focus on AFib, for example, I know that one of the issues in the past has been the complicated dosing of Coumadin, taking one milligram today, half a milligram tomorrow, two milligrams the day after, all based on INRs. What are the the more commonly used drugs that are replacing Coumadin or being used along with, or instead of Coumadin, that might not be quite so complicated.
2: So, um, you know, we're using Pradaxa, Eliquis, Xarelto, provided that patients don't have, um, you know, um, CKD, um, certain CKDs with a GFR criteria on the creatinine clearance level. Um, if they're safe to use, then we start them on that because it's less complex. You don't have to worry about eating salads. You don't have to have frequent blood draws. Um, but on the flip side, you know, there's GI distress with certain medications. So it's a constant, you know, um, you have to really be in touch with the patient and for them to understand what's happening and for them to communicate with you. Um, if they're having side effects from the new med- medications that we're using.
1: Mm-hmm. And then to summarize the sources of liability, we talked about discharging the patient too early. We talked about not using critical thinking when prescribing or managing the care. Uh, Are there other sources of liability that we should be considering as legal nurse consultants?
2: Um, Absolutely. I think um, sometimes heart failure gets misdiagnosed, you know, Um, chest pain, people think, well, you know, you're 43 years old, you know, maybe it's anxiety, maybe the patient has a history of asthma and anxiety, you know, and so they present, um, you know, with shortness of breath, chest pain, anxiety, but then we kind of um, don't look a little bit deeper and think, well, it's, it's nothing, you know, they're a 43-year-old female with anxiety, you know, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, you know, a lot of times um, those, that group of population of patients, um, they have some chronic pain issues and, if, and anxiety and they present to the doctors or the clinics a lot with the same complaints. Oftentimes, you know, sometimes they get overlooked because it's like, oh, it's the same old thing. You know, we're not digging deeper. Mm-hmm. Failure to
1: diagnose. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I know there's been a lot of attention focused on the fact that women are particularly at risk for the incorrect diagnosis or being dismissed when they come in with cardiac symptoms.
2: hmm yeah, I think women present differently. Um, you know, they might just not feel well. They might not necessarily have chest pain or they just feel more tired, you know. And I think women being caregivers, a lot of times we're just worried about, you know, our kids, our husbands, you know, what, whatever we're doing at the moment, instead of, you know, um, internalizing what's happening and taking care of it.
1: hmm Let's flip. To focus on the defenses, we've got some liability issues of of lack of communication, lack of continuity of care, critical thinking, misdiagnosis, delayed diagnosis, um, premature discharge. What are the defenses?
2: Well, I think that, you know, um, the complexity of the issues with heart failure, that's of, you know, that's an important aspect we have to look at because maybe the patient was, it was documented and told, hey, this is what you need to do. And if the patient doesn't take the pradaxa, let's say the blood thinner regularly, and they end up with a stroke or, you know, I mean, whose whose fault is it at the end of the day? You really have to look at the records. What is being documented? What was told to the patient? Does the patient understand that you know, um, you know, after a stent, you really want to continue the uh, put, uh, the Brilinta, the Plavix for you know at minimum six months, but hopefully a whole year without interruption, because in order to help maintain that um, stent patency. So it gets very complex. I think sometimes um, we really have to look at from that perspective because it's not neglect per se. It's just maybe lack of education. Communication is a big part of it. And it sounds
1: like patient compliance is enormous also. Absolutely.
2: That's 50% of the problem, I think.
1: Anything else that you can think of that fits within the bucket of the ways to defend these cases?
2: Well, I think if you look at um, the quality of care, you know, the complexity of it also, um, for in our clinic, we see the patients for cardiomyopathy, goal-directed medical therapy every two or three weeks. So um, if I am asking you, hey, I'm going to start you on this medicine and can you please do lab work And they don't do the lab work. How do I know that, you know, uh, whatever I gave them is not affecting their kidneys? So then you, you have case managers who chase after them, call them, hey, can you please do your lab work? You know, so a lot of times it's these little minute things that really, you know, the patient can say, well, my kidneys are ruined, but we asked you and called you to do your lab work and you didn't get it done. And we don't know to stop a medicine if you don't know. If we don't know what's happening with your kidneys, you know, so you almost have to let them know from the beginning. If you want to enroll in the cardiomyopathy, um, you know, goal directed medical therapy program, we absolutely need you to comply. We need you to let us know if you're not feeling well. And we need you to, you know, do what we're asking of you for safety, number one, and also to get you better.
1: You have shared so many tips with us, Erin, and made me personally aware of the complexity of the field. You're constantly balancing different factors and looking for the best route forward for a specific patient to bring them back to a better state of health.
2: Yes, um, it's a big juggling act, but um, it also, I have a great team I work with, wonderful people, and um, it's been amazing. I I really do enjoy what I do.
1: And I know that you're available as a legal nurse consultant to help consult with people. What would be the best way for people to reach you?
2: Uh, You guys can email me um, at Erin, E-R-I-N-G-E-T-Z at Ymail.com.
1: Ymail. I haven't yes. heard of Ymail. Yeah,
2: it's an old Yahoo account. I see.
1: <laughs> but it still works, and that's what counts. Right. Thank you so much for spending your time with us, Aaron. I appreciate you and your expertise and what you're doing for patients who are in such a delicate state of health.
2: Thank you for having me, Pat.
1: And for you who's watched this podcast, please be sure, if you're watching this on YouTube, give us a thumbs up, give us a thumbs down, leave a comment, tell us what you liked about the program. I look forward to seeing those comments when I get notified that you have left them for us. You'll be seeing Erin's podcast, and be sure to pay attention as you think through what she shared with some of these nuances in cardiac care and how she could be a valuable resource for you as you are reviewing cases involving heart failure, arrhythmias, strokes caused by untreated arrhythmias. She's a goldmine of information. Thanks so much. Hello, my name is Pat Iyer. This is Legal Nurse Podcast. Wendy Rice is with me. She is coming up as the next guest on Legal Nurse Podcast. Wendy works in the world of crafting letters when people's claims are denied by insurance companies, and she is working on behalf of the providers to see how they can get paid for the care that they have delivered. Wendy, we covered a lot of topics in your podcast. What are some of the key points that you covered? Well, um, we went over what leads to the denial of care. and what denies and who denies that medical necessity and what the implications of a patient if their care is denied. And then we went over what we need what you need um, to
3: craft supportive arguments. And um, we would know that to do that we need to have all the information that we've gathered. And and just hopefully that
1: you can pull it together and have a good argument for that appeal. There are huge implications, as Wendy just mentioned, if somebody's care is denied and all of those multiple thousands of dollars fall to the patient to have to pay. You want to hear about this process by listening to Wendy Rice's podcast on Legal Nurse Podcast coming up next. Thanks a lot.
0: We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Check out Pat Iyer's resources for Legal Nurse Consultants on LegalNurseBusiness.com. Pat coaches Legal Nurse Consultants so they make more money, get more clients, and avoid expensive mistakes. Check out her coaching program at LNCAcademy.com. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Join our community to get notified of each new episode and to receive the transcript of today's program. Complete the request form on podcast.legalnursebusiness.com. We appreciate you and your interest.